Are you currently in the middle of a home project? Maybe you're doing some renovations and you're deciding where to splurge and where to save. This week we're sitting down with Brad Blair, a local home builder here in Saskatoon, and we're gonna go over the places in the house where you should spend more money and maybe areas of the house where you can save money. This is the Saskatchewan Real Estate Podcast, the show that highlights Saskatchewan real estate. Looking to buy your first house, your next investment property? Subscribe to never miss an episode. Here's your host, Ron Caroni. Welcome back to the Saskatchewan Real Estate Podcast. As previously mentioned, Brad Blair with Spruce Homes. Brad, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Brad, just before we get right into the topic, how long have you been in the home building renovation space? Yeah, we started in 2016. Uh, we started as a home, we did home flips. Uh, so we started in the flipping world, I suppose, in the flipping uh, industry. And then we got into infills a couple years after that. And now fully into the full home building custom renovation world that we're in now. Awesome. Just be, I have to ask, do you have a, a preference of going from foundation to roof or is there a part of you that really likes that kind of taking something that's old and, and reinvigorating it? Uh, it depends. I prefer from the beginning. Uh, you just have more flexibility. You have kind of full control. Whereas when you're in a renovation, you're somewhat bound to the kind of the walls or the lot that you're you're working within unless you start getting really dramatic. So I prefer going from, from ground up, but um, both are fun in their, in different ways. So. Wonderful. So you've got a lot of experience in, in both worlds. And so for people out there who are either in the renovation stage or they're currently in that building stage are chatting about where you should splurge in the home and maybe where there's an opportunity to do a little bit of saving. So you yourself have done a really good podcast with you and your wife, Caitlin, on this. And I've listened to it a couple of times now, just prepping for this. So I know a few of the answers. So <laughs> let's get right into it, Brad. Where should you splurge when you're doing a renovation or when you're building a house? So it's it's funny. If you did listen to the podcast, these answers might be different. Um, I, lo I love an updated version. Yeah, we, we didn't even do that podcast that long ago, but... It's just funny how as you build different homes and you're exposed to different things and different thought processes that sometimes your worldview, I guess, maybe changes. So based on the other things that I have experienced personally from building a home from scratch, that's the house that like we're I'm sitting in right now and, and we live in now. We built this a couple of years ago, but the house we lived in before this, we did an extensive uh, like gut job of a home and lived in a major renovation. Wow. So not only do we have... The background of doing that work for others, but we've done it for ourselves. Um, so that's where a lot of, I would say my comments will come from. Um, I think the biggest thing to consider is whether it's a renovation or a build is making sure that you're spending money on functional space. Um, especially the way that like pricing material pricing is going right now. We all know that prices are elevated and to be frank, I don't see that going anywhere anytime soon. And so we have to think about creating functional space in smaller square footage and coming from the infill world. That's a challenge that we've always had to face is we have smaller lots. So how do we get the biggest bang for our buck? And it's about making spaces functional, whether it's utilizing cabinetry or uh, building custom shelving inside of closets so that you can save floor space um, 
and where your money, money is going, you're able to maximize the square footage that you get. Um, the other thing with that is that you, it can help bring costs down. If you're able to create uh, more functional space with the square footage that you have, you can build less square footage, which just helps bring that budget number down lower. So I think sure. if I was, if I was to put my money somewhere, it would be in creating those functional spaces, which most of the time lends itself to cabinetry. Um, but it can also come in the form of closet shelving and, uh, kind of unique floor plans as well. Um, the other thing to spend money on is like things that are important to you is everybody has a wants and a, and a needs list and they're all different. So it's, there's not necessarily one thing or the other that's better or worse to spend money on depending on your scenario. But if, cause if you're a family with four kids, uh, what you should be spending money on is differently than, um, a 40 year old couple with no kids, with no plans of having kids there. You're, yes. you're, you're, it should be different. It's not across the board. So it needs to be, uh, what does your family need? Spend the money on those things and then leave the rest, uh, kind of as a, an additional budget item if available. So that's kind of how I think about those kinds of things. And then, the last three things is that I'm looking at right now is ways to create more energy efficient home. And that mainly revolves around cost as the one thing I think we do a bad job of right now as a society, is we look at the building cost or the renovating cost and we say, well, this is my budget. But what we don't think about enough is what is the cost of ownership of that house? Hmm, because yes. you could build a house for $500,000 with, uh, with one set of maintenance costs and you could build another house for the exact same amount of money that costs less to own your utility bills are less, your maintenance costs are less. Right. Um, so I think those are things that we need to consider when we're talking about budget and inclusions is making the house more energy efficient and spend money on those things. So your ongoing monthly costs are less, which then, and maybe you can speak to this is then possibly you can, um, maybe afford a little bit more mortgage because your utility bills are going to be less. Um, and then right now, I think we all need to take a very serious look at solar. I don't say, I don't think that's a must, but I think we need to seriously consider it because we're not that far away from EV vehicles being very real. Um, obviously they're on the market right now, but most people are still going with gasoline or diesel vehicles. Um, but I just don't think that it's very far where us as a population, EV vehicles become a lot more popular. Um, I think the options are going to become better. The EV technology is, is only going to expand. I mean, we look at what the price of oil and gas is doing right now. People are getting sick and tired of that. So I believe that once EV vehicles become more common, that solar is going to be a huge piece of that puzzle um, so that you own your own energy, not only for your home, but for your vehicles as well. And I think there's a compounding effect that that will make sense. So I'm not saying that solar is a must, but I think that everyone should at least seriously look at it right now. So I was, that's my saga maybe on like places to spend. That's where I would look. Well, even digging into that a little bit more, Brad, um, energy costs are likely not going to go down in the future. Mm -hmm. So if you do take on a hard cost during the building phase, whether that be a triple pane window or doing some solar installation, you're essentially locking in a cost. 
And should you see some increases of four or 5% in your heating and your utility bills, you're now saving over the lifetime of your mortgage, potentially a, a lot more money, you know, depending on what in inflation does with, with the money supply. Uh, you, you know, it, it could be a, a dramatic effect on your monthly bills. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I don't, I, it's difficult for me. I know when you go and look at the math, there's a lot of assumptions to be made on from a cost analysis benefit um, when the payback periods are, because they're just assumptions on where the cost of energy is going to go. But at the end of the day, I agree with you. It's just going up. Um, and if once, like I said, once EV vehicles become part of the equation, uh, it goes beyond your utility bills and it now comes into the, your, your fuel as a family. And that's where I think savings really become powerful. Wonderful. Now I know I, I did want to touch on a few things you did mention in the podcast, and maybe this is where the female perspective changes a little bit on <laughs> sure. from, from, from a design side, you had touched about some specific rooms on, on where to splurge. And one of those being the kitchen. And I just wanted to get maybe your opinion on why the kitchen is such an important place, maybe to focus on as a family. Well, and right, I mean, not right now, but over the last I don't know, 10, 12, how long have open concept houses be, been popular? Like Quite 10, 15 years at this point in time, right? And so your kitchen is just by default the gathering place. Hmm. In older homes where, where houses uh, were a little bit more segregated, maybe that wasn't necessarily the case in kitchen. A kitchen was important from a pure functionality standpoint, but it's now an entertaining space. It's Correct. all part of your living room, dining room, kitchen, lots right. of times outdoor areas, are right beside by kitchen. So it's not only, not only does it need to function from a pure um, cooking, baking, family gathering, eating standpoint, food storage, uh, but it also now needs to function from an entertainment space, which means you need to blend the function and the aesthetics and the design together, which just makes that space all more important. And yes, you're right that in our podcast, Caitlin definitely had the the female perspective. Um, but I think the kitchen also comes into play if you're thinking about resale. A lot of houses that we're building now, resale is not necessarily a concern per se, but whether you're it never renovating- is or, during that portion, is it, Brad? You know, no one ever you thinks as you're, as you're like, building or buying, you know? And lots of times people will come to us and they will say like, hey, this is like a stepping stone house. Like maybe we're planning on being here for 10 years or five years more so would maybe be 10. But if that is you, then you also need to think about things from a resale and where you should spend your money wisely. And the kitchen is always one of those things. Like, I don't care if you're building for yourself for the next 30 years, or you're going to live in the house for five and resell it. Everybody wants a functional, well-designed, pretty kitchen. So whether it's you living in the house forever or somebody else, um, it's always a good place to put money. Wonderful. Let's switch gears here, Brad. Now we're going okay. into the places in the home where you can potentially save a little dough. You're, you're looking at that budget and you're saying, you know, we need to cut a few things out or we could maybe save a little bit here. Where are we going when we're looking to save a little bit of money? <laughs> the first tip that I would have is stop listening to your friends and your family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because it's, they act like you have an open pocketbook. And it's like, oh, you should do this and you should do that. And you need this and you need that. And right. you, those are good things to, 
consider all the time because you're playing off of other people's experiences, whether they built a house five years ago and wish they did these things, or they're planning a house alongside you, or they renovated their own house and wish they did this, right? There's always those things, but you as a family have your own wants and needs. So you need to listen to those, but don't let them sway you, I would say. Um, We've got into a handful of scenarios where that exact same thing happened. And it's like, well, they're not paying for it. So, and it even happened with us personally. It's like, well, you guys need to buy this and this. I'm like, well, do you have $25,000 to write a check for me? Cause I don't have that. So Brad Blair, home builder and therapist. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, but beyond that, like things that you can do later. So let's just say that you are building a house and you're not finishing the basement right away. Well, what are some things that you can maybe not do right now that you can do at the same time that you finish the basement that will add no cost later as if you were to do it now. So like I always use the example in our personal house, we had laundry room built-in cabinetry planned. And that was one of the things that we decided to cut for budget purposes. Hmm. But the difference is, and the reason being is that we can add those cabinets at the same time as we finish our basement, because we're going to have cabinet, uh, installers in here installing cabinets in the basement they can do it in the laundry room at the same time it doesn't affect price at all it won't cost us any more to put those laundry room cabinets in later as it does today so what are what are those types of decisions for you as a family so we've had some people forego mudroom cabinetry for the same reason or they decided that well, they could maybe just put like hooks on the wall themselves and buy a bench at like HomeSense and put that in their mudroom instead of put built-ins. And that can be a short-term solution. And maybe later they do mudroom cabinetry. Um, Correct. Things like that. There's always those types of things. It could be shower surrounds. You could take a shower surround out later and put tile. You know what I mean? So um, think about those types of things. I really like the point you made uh, in in your podcast about don't uh, invest in something like cheap flooring and then having to, you know, maybe replace it later, five years down the road, because the fixed and expense of putting it in and then taking out is quite high. So spending money at the right times, and I really like where you're kind of going with this, of spend money on the things that you should spend money on, and then maybe even just wait on completely finishing the things that you can wait on. Yeah. And I think part of that also comes down to like even the flooring comment comes down to putting materials in that are durable, Mm. uh, whether that's inside or outside of the home. And it comes back to the point that I made about, we need to think more about what is the cost of ownership versus just what is the price of the home or what is the price of the renovation? And it's things like that. Well, if you put durable floors in that will last kind of the test of time in quotations, um, then you're not going to have a future cost 10 years down the road to replace all that flooring. Anyway, it's there. It's similar to like decking or exterior siding. It's what can you put in within budget? That's going to be durable to lower the cost of your home over a 10 or 15 year period instead of literally just today. Right. Now, does this differ uh, from from maybe the design or, or female perspective that probably you know, uh, when, when we're looking at things to save on that, you know, from a guy standpoint, it's durable, it's going to last long. <laughs> you know, is there another balancing act to that, Brad? Yes, there's always a balancing <laughs> act, right? Um, and 
And I think I'm trying to think back to our podcast, things that like Caitlin might say to, to save on. I think she more focuses on areas of the house that maybe are less used, like spend air, make, make the wow factors uh, on the places where you're going to spend the most time. So like in open concept houses, that's the reason for the kitchen living room where you're going to gather and then maybe save on the rooms where like nobody else is going to see, or it's just going to be you. Uh, maybe it's your kids' bedrooms, guest bedrooms, stuff like that. Maybe put more basic things in those spaces strictly because you're not spending a whole ton of time in it personally. And then when guests come over, they're not ever going in there. So I think she focuses a lot around saving, uh, not necessarily on, products, but on spaces. Wonderful. Brad, I, I just want to add this just as a quick little off to the side, because I know we do have a few mm-hmm. investors who kind of listen to the podcast. Is there yeah. any advice you could give to someone who's looking at buying an investment property of uh, places to splurge and to save? Or do the uh, exact same things kind of carry over? Yeah. So I think that's when you're building custom or you're building from an investment standpoint, it's two totally different ball games. It's not even the same anymore. Um, Cause now you need to cross the bridge of cost and durability. Mm-hmm. Um, because so you're, let's say you're buying or building or renovating a house for a rental property, for example, well, you don't want to put cheap floors in that you have to replace two years from now. Trust me. I know <laughs> that right. is an experience comment. Um, it's just a pain in the neck because you, now you have to think of not only the cost of replacement, but you also have to consider the cost of vacancy. And so you have, Correct. You have, yeah. if, you, if, if you are replacing your floor, you're not only replacing your floor. Now I have to take the baseboards off and I have to replace the baseboards and I have paint. So now I have to get multiple trades in there, um, especially in today's day and age when everybody is so busy. You're not, it's not a one week project like you think it might be. Correct. It turns into a two month project and now you have vacancy for two months and now you got to get photos and now you put it online and now all of a sudden your house is vacant for four months and you just lost all the income that you made that entire year. Right. Plus, and, if you, and if you cheaped out again on flooring that time, you're going to have to redo the whole thing over again in four exactly. or five years. So it's, I'm not going to lie. The investment world um, from like, from a building standpoint is, is tricky because you, you want more basic items from a pure cost perspective. So like maybe your cabinetry, for example, is, is a lot more basic than you would if you're building a house for yourself, but you still want the function in there because you want, high profile tenants. So you really need to thread the needle and it needs to be specific probably to the area because you're, you're now, um, you're like tenants are your, are your clients. So you need to understand what they're expecting. You need to make sure that those expectations are met while threading the needle in alternative areas. Um, I don't necessarily have an answer on where I would spend or save in that scenario because it's so specific to the type of tenant that you have, like a tenant in North park is going to have very different expectations than a tenant in confederation. Correct. Um, A tenant in Rosewood is going to have a different expectation than in Bonavista, right? Like, so I think it needs to be different. Um, A tenant in Rosewood is probably going to want space. A tenant in Bonavista is probably willing to sacrifice space because they understand that the houses are smaller, but they still need space for their stuff. So you probably need functionality, right? So you really need to think about your client because that's as a landlord or as an investor, you still have clients. They're just your tenants. Location, 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 and figuring out 
which tenants are going to fit that area. And then that might determine more what you're doing with that space. And I, I think your exit strategy has uh, an important factor as well. Like, are you planning to hold this rental for, for 30 years? Because if you are now, it comes back to the durability standpoint, uh, standpoint. It's like, well, maybe you put more durable products in there today, meaning that your returns are going to be lower and you know that for the, for the short term, but the durability of the home is going to last. And as rents increase over time, that's when your margins are going to increase. Whereas if you have a exit strategy and you only plan, you plan to build it and rent it out for five years and then sell it, well, that's going to change how you're going to build it. Now you're probably going to put vinyl siding instead of hardy. You're probably going to, maybe you will put a little lower end flooring in it because you're not worried about being the person who has to change it in seven years or five years. Right. So I think your exit strategy comes into play as well. So I just think there's a, probably a lot more factors at play from an investment standpoint. Great. Last point. So one last question for you, Brad, I like to ask everyone who comes on, if you could go back and give a young Brad some advice, what would that advice be? <laughs> well, it's almost laughable because I'm only 32. So I am a young Brad. Um, I don't know, to be honest. Um, I wouldn't do a lot of things differently. So we learned through the school of hard knocks. So if I was to go back and tell myself something, I would give myself two options, either start young like we did. So I'm 32 and we started our business when we were 25. So there was a lot of hard lessons learned and we're still going through learning lessons and we're learning them the hard way, which is, can be difficult sometimes. So you either have to choose to do that or you have to choose to go and work for somebody else. Um, in my opinion, for cheap so that you can get the experience that you need to then branch off on your own. And I'm talking specifically um, for people who want to be self-employed because um, that's the brain space that I work within. So I wouldn't change anything. I, the hard knocks is difficult, but to, for me to go back and think that I'd go and do it differently would just probably be a lie. I would probably take about two years of my life and pull an audible. But other than that, I think you just need to continually reflect and adjust in your life and, and do it often. So for example, I, I do like a self-reflection exercise once, once a month and I adjust my life continually to, to lessons that I've learned in the last 30 days. What do I need to change um, both personally and professionally? And I use that as just a continual learning curve. And I think that's the most important part. Don't be stagnant. Um, and don't be so stubborn in your life that you're never going to change or do things differently either. So whatever your pain points are, do something about it. Don't just wallow in your sorrows. Right. Kind of lean into the hard times and yeah. push through and keep it as a learning experience. Yeah. It's the way that uh, we've kind of grown as a business. And I don't see if I were to go back in time, I'd probably do it all over again. Maybe that's knuckleheaded. I don't know, but <laughs> Wonderful. I really like that answer. I've never had someone say, I wouldn't give myself any advice. Typically someone would say, well, go get some Bitcoin or something. At the age of <laughs> yeah. But, well, uh, but no, I, I really like that perspective that you have to continually work on yourself and not view hard times as necessarily a bad thing, but more as a yeah. learning experience. And ultimately it uh, it's part of your journey. Yeah. And like I said, if you ask me in 10 years, maybe my answer will be different, but maybe I don't have enough years under my belt yet uh, to properly maybe answer that.
Awesome. Brad, I really appreciate you coming on today. Before we uh, let you go, where can people get in contact with Spruce Homes? Uh, you guys do have a podcast. You guys are on mm -hmm. social media. Can you give us a little bit more of that information for anyone who wants to contact you? Yeah. So I would say probably three places. One would be our website. So just sprucehomes.ca. Just Google us. You'll find it. Um, the next is Instagram. So if you find Spruce Homes on Instagram, we are very active there. You won't see my face much, but you will see my wife's. And then, like you said, we do have a podcast. So it's a weekly podcast and it's just called the Spruce Home Show. So anywhere where you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Wonderful. Thanks again, Brad. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for checking out this week's episode of the Saskatchewan Real Estate Podcast. If you like this episode, do us a favor and hit the like and subscribe button. If you're looking for more content on Saskatchewan real estate, please feel free to check out some of my social channels. I'm Ron Caroni, your Saskatchewan mortgage professional.